Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. I am really glad that you joined us today. You know all of my guests are special. And the reason that I wanted to speak with this particular therapist, and I'll introduce her in a moment, is that we talk a lot about partner betrayal and how intimate betrayal is really the most challenging. I mean, you might have a business partner betray you. You might have a friend betray you. But when it's someone that you're counting on, that you're leaning into your best friend, the person you turn to for the the support in your life, that's a whole different story. And that is what my guest, Dr. Mary Franz, speaks about. So let me introduce her. Dr. Mary Franz is a psychotherapist and clinical director of Renew Counseling in New York City. She has specialized in treating individuals and couples with relationship, addiction, and sexuality issues for over 25 years. She received her training at NYU, an NYU postdoctoral program in psychotherapy and psychoanalysis. By the way, that means she's really smart, okay? She's an ASECT and board-certified sex therapist and a sex addiction and trauma therapist, so she knows our stuff. Her book, which just is coming out in like another month or so, and we can talk about this, and I really want you to hear the title, is called The Trust Solution, A Couple's Guide to Healing Intimate Betrayal. What could be better for this show than talking about that? So welcome, Dr. Franz. It's really nice to hear from you today. How are you doing? Hi, Dr. Rob. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today talking to you. And just to say it you know, more casually, I'm really sorry for all the challenges that you're having in New York with COVID. And, and I say that no matter what this, when this program airs, we're all going to be struggling with this for a long time. And you know, as a native New Yorker, I can't imagine people not running down the streets in big crowds. And you know, it, just, it would be very hard for me. So you have my empathy and compassion. Thanks so much. It's such a change from the New York that we all know and love. But we'll get through this. We will all get through this. So let me just start with the basics. You wrote this book. People write about a lot of things. What was important to you about writing this and why did you write it? Well, working, you know, with couples 
for the last 20, 25 years, I see a lot of clients who were really struggling with relationship issues, particularly around trust and connection in their relationship. Some of them were were dealing with an intimate partner betrayal that they were trying to, to recover from and reconnect, and others from an affair or an infidelity. And many of them just felt very disconnected in their relationships. So they needed some kind of guidance to help them with steps to get through this crisis in their relationship. They needed something that would really help them translate the behaviors into everyday actions that they could really understand. Behaviors meaning the things they need to do to make themselves feel better or or like or mm-hmm. what the couple needs to do or can you just explain real quickly what do you mean by behaviors? All of that. So we start, I start the book with rupture, the experience of, of what happens when a betrayal is discovered and what each partner is going through. Then we move to repair and how each partner can participate and join the repair process. And then as that takes hold and becomes more and more successful, they can remove to renewal stage of the relationship. Can I ask another question real quick? So oh, betrayal means a lot of things to different people. And you're talking about intimate betrayal. So you're not, listen, when my husband went out and bought a car and didn't tell me and didn't put, tell me he was putting money down and, and he didn't take me a look at the car, I felt betrayed. It's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I'm in this mm-hmm. partnership. So, but is that intimate betrayal or are you talking about something more? Yeah, that's, that's a betrayal. But what I'm talking about specifically here is when there's a betrayal with a significant other where trust is broken, which happens with many betrayals, implicit mm-hmm. or explicit agreements are violated. But mm-hmm. what I'm talking about specifically in this book is situations that involve a sexual or emotionally intimate or romantic infidelity. And that involved deception and lying and gaslighting. And I just want to say, you're you're not just talking about your book. I mean, this is the work that you do. We'll talk about the book, but I mean, mm-hmm. this is what you're writing about because this is what you do. This is what I do every day, right. And there's so many people who are dealing with this issue now that really need guidance and help. Can I just ask you, what, why are you passionate about this? Now, you don't have to say anything personal, but I know you're a sexologist, you're a psychologist. You're, there are so many things you could have written about. Is it because you just see kind of a hole in the in the book world about how to work on this? Or that was one thing. I did see see a hole where there seemed to be a gap in the literature that addressed that bridge between the couple. There was lots of literature that addressed the the hurt partner of what they needed to do to to help heal themselves, and lots of uh, literature on recovery for for the person that had been the betrayer. But what was really needed was a bridge that connected the the, the couple, that mm-hmm. helped them have a focus that they could come back to during those difficult days of recovery when there's so much emotional chaos. So even though you've mentioned it and you said, you know, I, I'm really writing about the effects on the couple and how to repair, there is the question just briefly about what does the betrayed partner go through? I mean, why is such an extensive, and I'm being devil's advocate, I think I know, but why is there yeah. such an extensive focus on what partners need to know? I mean, what do they need to know when they've been betrayed? Well, I think they first are captive to their emotions when this first happens. You know, they're so devastated emotionally. So they have to deal with the effects of post-traumatic stress and the trauma response. Wait, wait, hold on a second. I have to slow you down. So I don't know that everyone knows what a trauma response is or what post-traumatic stress. So maybe you could explain that in a way that is a little bit therapy words. 
Sure. It's like when somebody experiences uh, they're blindsided by something that's very disrupting to their nervous system where they experience extreme threat. That's a threat to their primary attachment system, which is, can I count on you? Will you be there for me? And they go through emotions of feeling angry, sad, confused, scared, and they're not linear. They jump all over the place. And also they experience a lot of reality fragmentation. They don't know what's true about their life anymore. You know, I want to say something about that, because what I often hear is, how could you do this if you loved me? You say you love me, and yet you did this to me. You say believe in you. You were my best friend, and now I don't know who to turn to. So it's sort of like that whole upside down, their world's been turned inside out about who they can rely on, what they can believe. And then it's just completely overwhelming. That's kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. So what do they need to do? They're in this moment. What do they need to do? So the the hurt partner needs time to process these emotions. They need safety, support, and soothing. So they can't turn to their partner anymore for those needs because the trust is gone. So they need a therapist, a support group, some place where they can get their reality and their perceptions validated. They can learn to set appropriate boundaries to help them feel safer and that they can start to process all these feelings because the the healing partner or the betrayer, I'm going to call them the healing partner for the purposes of this, they're not going to be able to meet all of those needs from the hurt partner because the trust is gone. But the, the healing partner can start the process toward healing. They can start by being accountable, which is the first step, and by being there and, and showing compassion and empathy and listening to those feelings and expressing willingness. So I just want to say to everyone, you know, I really appreciate that Dr. Franz talked about support group because not everyone can afford therapy. Not everyone can make it to group therapy. Not everyone has access. And some of you are listening don't have those resources. But and we won't go into them because, you know, they're on sex and relationship healing and we do a lot of free work. But I just want all the partners to know that there are many places that you can get support, 12 step meetings, all those things. Even if you sort of never make it to therapy, I don't think that healing is out of reach. And I just want you to hear that for those of you who don't have the resources. I know that I've seen Dr. Franz nod her head. So I think she believes that, too. I think that's really important for everyone to know that there's so many resources out there, you know, that you provide so many to people and that they can get support. And by the way, at the end of this, we will talk a little bit about how to reach Dr. Franz and she can answer some questions. And I'm sure she's always glad to type back an email or say, here's some resources or whatever it is that she can do to support folks. So what is needed to repair? So the partner comes to terms with what happened. They're out of the immediate, I want to kill you. They're in a place where Mm -hmm. I wish we could work this out. I'm not sure. What needs to happen for the couple at that point? Okay, the healing partner needs to take the lead and start the repair. And they start with the first step, which is being accountable, that they express their intention to make amends and restore the relationship and restore the trust. So you're talking about you're talking about the cheater, the person who's cheated or done the betraying. They have to start by being accountable to what they've done so that their partner. Why is that important? Why do I have to be accountable? Because you can't heal or what is not acknowledged. They have to be able to acknowledge it. It it fills in the blanks in the hurt partner's reality. They need to know what really happened, what they're really dealing with. You know, I really appreciate your saying that because what I hear from spouses the most often is 
I just want to know what happened. I can mm-hmm. deal with it. I want, and I want to hear it from him or her. I want them to tell me because if I'm ever going to trust them again, I need to hear the real truth from them. And I can deal with that. I just need to know. Exactly. So now our partner, you know, the betrayed partner is in a place of, okay, I've calmed myself down. I, I have support from other people. I'm going to get through this no matter what. But I'd like the relationship to work if we can make that work. And that's, by the way, most of the people I see, they have so much going on already that they don't want to walk away from this. They want to stay connected. So where does a couple start to repair this? So the, as I said before, that the betraying partner is taking the lead. So they have expressed their willingness to go through these repair steps. And the second one is to be honest and come clean. Because as you said, the hurt partner really needs to know what happened. So they, the betraying partner agrees to answer all of their questions. And a formal disclosure is really the best way to do this because it's more efficient. It's not a guessing game. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they go through the formal disclosure. Okay, wait, I'm going to stop you for a second. What is formal disclosure? Because not everyone might know what that means. The formal disclosure is where the hurt partner prepares all the questions that they have for, for the person that committed the betrayer. And the betrayer composes a timeline of the actions and the betrayals that they lied about or tried to deceive the partner, where they might have gaslit the partner. And it's kind of setting the record straight. It's it's committing to honesty. So I've heard this go in different ways. I've heard people say in these sort of uh, disclosures, but I loved you, I loved you, I loved you, and I never meant to hurt you, and you didn't know I had this problem, or I wouldn't have done this to you. I've heard people say very graphic things like, I did this with this person. This is how we did it and what the person looked like. I'm guessing that's not what disclosure is. Right. So maybe you could briefly tell us, because I'm guessing it's just an inventory, not necessarily a narrative explanation. Exactly. That's what it is. It's an inventory. And it's lots of times it's best to have a therapist guide the process because it's better for the, the hurt partner to, you know, use some discernment with the kinds of questions they ask. They don't want things in their head that that they're going to be re-traumatized by. Well, we would say that. We Mm -hmm. would say that. But partners will say, I want to know every single thing, and I want to know who you were with and how big their whatevers were and what, you know, Mm -hmm. and and, Mm -hmm. uh, is this what you really want because this isn't me? And how does the partner, how do we explain to the partner that, you know, knowing ever because what you just said, knowing every single graphic detail is actually not going to serve you. Because mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. the partners want to know that. So how do you help them understand that? So what would be important is for whoever's talking to them or working with them to kind of try to work with them to understand what are they trying to satisfy with that need? Sometimes what they're really trying to satisfy is a sense of safety or soothing. And they're not going to get that from that information, that they will get that from this process itself. But those pieces of information will not give them that emotional, fill that emotional need of what they really want. And sometimes just convincing them, if they could just have a little faith and go forward with you, that they will see that those emotional needs will start to be met. So I think what you're saying is every single detail is not as important as I hear you being honest with me. You're telling me that you went to massage parlors for five years and you're going three times a week. That's what I need to hear, not necessarily uh, what they look like or what kind of sex we had, because what I hear you saying is that will be, if I ever want to be with you, that's going to haunt me in my head forever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Hey there! I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. Dr. Franz, I, I think we are on a wonderful topic. I'm going to title this How Couples Repair Broken Trust. I think a lot of people will want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. But there has to be this question raised, which is what if the betrayed spouse says, you know, I, I'm not in. I, I think that this is more than I want to stick with, and I'm really doubting whether I want to continue. And they're not sure, because some people are just, I'm out, I'm done, and they really are. But this is more of a questioning. What do you? How do you manage that when the partner really isn't sure if they want to engage in a moving forward? I think that's frequently the situation because the hurt partner can't imagine a point beyond the the pain. They're just stuck in this pain right then. So it's like the healing partner needs to move the process along, the person that committed the betrayal, and with the understanding that you'll join me when you're ready. It's okay. I'm going to do these things because I want to change my life. I want to live my life, a life of integrity, a life of honesty. And you're talking about the the person who is the betrayer wants yes. that. that le- okay. Yes. And so it isn't just for the partner. It's also for the person who's done the betraying to say, if you want me to, I'm going to be clean. I'm going to be the only way I can begin to help you have trust in me is if you have no uncertainty about what's happened. Right. And by the way, that means I don't keep secrets. I'm not still doing them because that's a sure death knell for the relationship. Mm-hmm, but here's mm-hmm. the truth. This is what happened. And you get to have your life back and decide now that you know all these things, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you can take your time to decide. You can do it in your own time. So are you saying that you don't always know if a partner is going to stay or not stay at the beginning? Exactly. You're not going to know. And and. Be committed, being committed to this repair process can't be contingent on that because this is a, a whole unknown. You're just in a process and you are doing this for yourself to create stabilization and, and because you care about these people. Most of the people find themselves in this situation. A lot of them have families that they dearly love and the idea of losing their family is just devastating to them. Or the 25 years I've put into us knowing each other. In other words, mm-hmm. betrayal is one thing, but we have this whole history and all these other things going on. And Exactly. So I have no idea how to answer this question in a succinct way, in a short way, but I know you do. So they're both willing. They want to work on it. They want things to be better. They're not sure where it's going to end up. How do you begin to move them toward repairing this? Okay, so the next step is creating agreements together. And this is where the hurt partner really starts participating by letting the the betrayer know the kinds of agreements they need in order to to move forward, such as uh, things like boundaries. There need to be boundaries set that are much more clear and clarified. And so I want to, you said that word a couple of times. So I want to interrupt you for a second and say, uh, for those who don't understand the concept or what is a boundary, can you just give an example of, let's say, how a betrayed partner might set a, uh, uh, just pick one, pick a boundary that they might set. 
A boundary would be that if the betraying partner was having lunch every day with a coworker that they were attracted to, just the two of them, that might be where there needs to be a boundary, that that is not, that creates too much emotional intimacy and that that situation needs to be changed. So the partner's really saying, this is what I can live with, and this is what I can't. And is that negotiated? I mean, assume that everything they say, no offense to your partners, but every single thing they say is not necessarily achievable. So um, just quickly, how do you determine between a boundary that, yeah, we can work with that and a boundary that just seems you know, a little extreme and, and it's, it's sort of going to result in failure no matter what? Is there a way to figure that one out? Because I know every partner wants to say, you're going to do everything I say from now on and you know, kind of like that. Right. So in the beginning, the the hurt partner is going to have non-negotiable boundaries. They're going to say, no, you can't see this affair partner anymore. You know, you can't correspond with them. You have to let them know it's over. And that's the, the conditions on which I'm willing to consider continuing our relationship. So there'll be some non-negotiable boundaries. But later on, as the couple continues through the process and works together, of course, it's going to be negotiated because they're going to move into much more of a situation of mutuality for the relationship. Over, over time. And yeah. by the way, do you have a timeline for that? I mean, you know, and, and we'll go into other questions about how they do this, but do you see any particular, like it takes couples six months, a year, you know, yeah, I see like the first six months to a year is where they're working on this stabilization. And they'll get to the, after they've created the agreements and then they have the, the tools that they follow in going through the agreements, agreements for transparency, for communication. And through six months through a year, they're both adhering to these agreements and trying to create this new dynamic in their relationship. And about a year in, it starts to change. And I want to just say to all of the betrayers out there that you have given up your power in this situation. You are one down. Your partner does get to ask things of you that you may not necessarily want to do. For example, I've had partners say, I want to GPS track where you are all day long. And if you're somewhere that I don't feel comfortable, I'm going to call you. And I had the betrayer say, well, what do you mean you want to GPS track me? I'm not some kind of criminal. Well, do you want to get your partner back? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what they're asking of you to begin to trust. Or is it really your ego and saying, I don't want, I don't deserve this, or you just really want the relationship to work? Right. And that's how the, the hurt partner will continue the next step. They will assess the progress and they'll see the willingness that the betrayer puts into the process. So when they ask for an agreement around transparency like GPS or passwords, if the betraying partner doesn't have willingness to do that, the, the, the repair process stalls at that point and, and they can't move forward. So you've mentioned a couple of things like boundaries and the partner coming to terms, you know, to some degree with it, whether they want to move forward. And and this is, you've described it in the book as a six step process. So are those some of the steps? Yeah. So those are the first four steps. Assessing progress is the fourth step after the agreements and the honesty and the accountability. Then the last two steps are improving attunement and empathy. And that's really where a lot of couples I see get stuck because they'll do a disclosure, they'll be accountable, they'll have the agreements, and the, the betraying partner tries really, really hard to, to do things right. But then maybe the, the hurt partner will be upset because they brought home some ice cream when they're on a diet and trying to lose weight. And these are attunement issues where they can cause conflict. 
I kind of as a therapist know what that means, but I'm curious, like, what are you saying? You mentioned empathy and attunement. So can you, are they the same thing? What do you mean by attunement? So empathy is being sympathetic to what the other person's thoughts and feelings are. And attunement is, is like you, when you get your partner, like you really get what they need or what they're asking for. And John Gottman, who's a famous therapist says that we all make bids of our partner and the bids are when we're trying to communicate a need to our partner. So for the couple at this point, they really have to start to recognize when they're each making a bid to each other. And what that means, for example, thinking that your partner wants ice cream, you're misreading them. So getting that on the on the right track is really important. And I really appreciate that you said I'm really grateful that you said ice cream, because what you're talking (laughs) about is no, I mean it because the person who is the betrayer is thinking, I just brought home ice cream. I mean, I'm exactly. actually trying to be nice and you're raging at me and I don't understand. Exactly. And they're off to the races and the whole conflict starts and they both feel that they're the victim, that they were wronged. So understanding the whole process of attunement is is this step. And then I find like I don't use to be have any gender bias, but some of the when the partner's a, a male, sometimes they won't know the the words to use like, oh, that must have been really painful for you, or that must have made you really anxious. You're saying if the if the betrayer is a male, that's what you're yes, saying. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it can work any which way, but. I noticed that when they have trouble coming up with the right words, sometimes a little tool like some sentence stems can be so helpful just so that they'll be able to identify words like, oh, it must have been really painful when you saw that program on TV about the affair, or you must have been really anxious when you didn't hear from me. Those just little phrases can help them create more of a feeling of empathy, which they need to learn to do. And we would call that empathic attunement. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I wrote a book about this called Out of the Doghouse. And it's yes. because so few men that I've experienced really understand. I mean, men are problem solvers. So if we understood the problem, we would fix it. But men exactly. screw up every single time. And I think it's because they don't understand the depth of the pain that they've caused. And that book is the best book so far that's out there <laughs> that I have every client read it. Every client. Thank you. So something that I heard you just say really struck me in terms of, I get these emails all the time from partners who say male and female, who say, you know, he or she, I get that they're working on this. I think they've stopped. They're being more honest with me. I have more faith in the process, but they're still a jerk. They're still narcissistic. They still don't really, they're still hurting me and they don't seem to understand how much. And I think, so I'm running words together, but I think a lot of partners feel like you did this to me. And so now I deserve more from you than I got before. And they're not getting what they want. They're not getting the degree of empathy and concern. And and what I'm saying is the betrayers are trying, but they don't know how and they don't know their way. And then partners say, well, if you stop the behavior, why aren't you the person I wanted you to be? How do you look at that? 
that's like an attunement issue because they're not reading what the partner needs correctly. And that's where communication comes in. And this is where I think the hurt partner needs to learn to make requests. They can't criticize or blame after the fact, but they need to learn to be more transparent about what it is that they need to make themselves known a little bit better. And if they can calmly explain, like, it would be much better if you asked, could we take a hike this weekend? And that would mean so much more to me than bringing me ice cream. You're giving them the information to make a better choice. So that's how the hurt partner can move things forward, where things start to move into like a two-person system, meaning that they both are, are trying to read each other and give each other what they need and, and really understand each other. And that involves interest. It involves really being interested in, in what that person's all about. So if I brought you home ice cream and you said, you freaking bought me flavor that I don't like. And if I say, well, <laughs> I went to the store and bothered to get you the ice cream. And now you're complaining that it's the wrong flavor. That's not empathic attunement, right? Empathic mm-hmm. attunement is I can understand the, because so many times I've brought home things that you didn't want and, and this hurt you and I'm not focused on you, that even little things like like bringing home the wrong flavor can leave you feeling like I don't know you or I don't love you. That, that's what you're talking about? Exactly. That, that would be a perfect response. Ooh, I get the prize. Yes, yes. And the healing partner could also improve their way of handling it by saying, like, it's really nice of you that you thought of me and you wanted to do something nice for me. But these are some things that would mean a lot more to me, like making a plan on the weekend to do something or giving some ideas. Or instead of assuming what I want, ask me. Exactly. So I want to, I know we have a limited amount of time. There's so many, I mean, truly, and I want to tell you, Dr. Franz, I know you're anxious. Everyone's anxious about doing these. I have to say, and I think others will write in, this is one of the best podcasts I think I've done because you have such (laughs) an art, you're so very articulate and it's so easy to follow you and understand. So I really appreciate that. Despite your fear of doing this, I'm I'm impressed. So how do, how does a couple know that real change has occurred? How do they know that? that we're going somewhere, that we're, you know, how does that happen? The hurt partner will start to see this change of values in the betraying partner. They'll see new openness and transparency. They'll see that they start to value being connected over being right, that the conflict doesn't become the zero-sum game of a winner and a loser anymore. And the hurt partner can really feel this change as it becomes embedded in the couple's dynamic, that the words and the actions become much more consistent. You're talking about repairing trust, that what Mm -hmm. I see you doing and what you say you're doing are true, and I can feel it and I can see it, so Mm -hmm. therefore I can begin to tip my toe in the water, not jump in, about beginning to have faith in you and me. Exactly. That's exactly what it's all about. It's making and keeping agreements to yourself that raises your sense of integrity, which which just flows between the couple in the relationship. That brings me to my next question, which is you mentioned three stages. And all I, hear, I, I did hear rupture. We certainly know about that. And we've been talking about repair. What is, is, there, what is the third step or process, piece in the process? The third step is renewal, where the couple has started to be more focused on better attunement and mutuality of making the relationship fulfilling for for both of them. And the sense of trust and connection is is growing. And 
that's where they can start to experience more of a sense of flow in their relationship. Oh no. Okay. I don't know. Okay. okay flow I'm is losing you. On me. I don't think I, 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 you know, I can barely float when I'm tubing down the river or something. So what do you mean by flow? Flow is like when our thoughts and our feelings are all moving together in this totally pleasurable, absorbing state. Like when you can imagine Roger Federer hitting that tennis ball, that he's just in a state of flow. And that's what we can do in our relationship when we make a conscious decision to focus and share our interests, our ideas, our dreams. And it creates the opportunity for that interest to grow and take on the characteristics of flow. That is a very fulfilling state. So I have to say, as, as you know, working with as many portrayers as I do, I'm going to want Flo to be there, but I'm necessarily going to want them to find out if I've left it. In other words, things are going so well between us that, oops, I've done this thing that would really upset them. So I just won't tell them because I want to stay in this good place where we're doing well. And it could be not taking out the garbage, or it could be I went back to porn. How does the person who's betrayed someone else begin to convince themselves that things are going so well, but I have to tell them anyway, which is going to create a rupture for us. Shouldn't I just not mess things up since they're going so well? How do you help someone understand? Yeah, that's that's a big issue that comes up. And that goes back to the foundation of agreements, that agreements, making and keeping them is the foundation of the trust. And if they know that they can't blow up the trust or they just move 100 steps back. So one of the agreements can be, you know, people make mistakes. But if you can admit your mistakes and acknowledge them to your partner within 24 hours, that gives them the security of knowing that they're not going to be blindsided by something because that's the biggest fear of, of a trauma victim, that they're going to get blindsided again. So when the, the, the betraying person knows that this is what they have to do to keep this process going and to all that work they've put into building the trust, it's not going to be lost when they can honor that agreement. Quick question. If I, as a partner, I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm, we're working on accountability. We're working on honor each other. But, you know, I can see the person who betrayed me is really trying. And I think mm, it just isn't enough. It isn't what I want. I do not, I am not able to tolerate this. How do you, would you disagree with that partner? Would you say, no, you need to hang in there, you know, give it more time. I mean, what would you do to handle that kind of thing? You just honor the partner's experience. Well, what do you do with that? There's no right and wrong decision whether to stay or go. And that's something that each couple decides for themselves. As they go through the process, they learn a lot more about themselves and about their partner that will help them continue to reassess and reevaluate what's really right for them for the rest of their life. And they'll make an informed choice with good discernment. Folks. This is someone who obviously knows her stuff. And, you know, as someone else who's had 25 years of experience in this field as a licensed person, I have to say that it makes a difference. Experience matters. You know, it's great to see someone who's been at the job for a couple of years, but there is a value in those of us who've been working in all of this for so long. And the value is the kind of insight that Dr. Franz is offering. So let me ask you, if someone wanted to reach you, if someone said, you know, I'm looking for a a therapist, if I want to understand a group, I want to come see you, I, I want to learn more about your book, how would they do that? Sure, they could go to mary.franz or just put Mary Franz, my name, search me on Google, Mary Franz, and my website will come up 
and they'll be able to contact me through that. So can you spell that out so everyone can understand? Sure. It's spelled like Merry Christmas. That was my mother's idea. M-E-R-R-Y, Franz, F is in Frank, R-O-N-S. I want to repeat the name of this book because I really believe that this is helpful. And if you've listened to what we had to say, you know that this is going to be helpful. And I can't wait till it comes out. I hope I get a signed copy from you, of Dr. Course, Franz. Rob. I'll even I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll give you an Amazon review. You know. Oh. So let me say the book is The Trust Solution, A Couple's Guide to Healing Intimate Betrayal. And it will be out on Amazon in May. I hope we can talk again and do some more of this work in detail about trust and repair, if you're open to that, because you're such a great guest. I'd love to. This has been such a pleasure, Rob, and an honor to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, and thank you for, thank you for being so committed to helping this population. One of the things I hear from betrayed partners all the time is people don't understand what I'm going through, and they don't know how to help me, and you clearly do. So thank you for committing yourself to helping these folks grow. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.